Our scripture this evening is found once again in Psalm 119. We have been uh, working through Psalm 119 for uh, a number of weeks now. I don't remember exactly when we began, and all of y'all out there are going, trust me, it was a long time ago. Uh, and and we've been trying to cover uh, each section uh, uh, in one sermon, and tonight we come to the section uh, that uh, begins with the Hebrew letter Kof. Uh, and so we're very close. After Kof, there's only Sin Shin Tav, okay? And so we're, we're getting uh, uh, very close, and, and Resh, of course. And so uh, uh, we should finish that perhaps by the end of this month. But throughout our study of Psalm 119, We've seen that the psalmist is in a situation that no one would wish for. He is being persecuted. He is, he is being talked about all around town. He has become the talk of the town and not in a good way. And people are just wearing him out. They're making fun of him. They're making, listen, they're making fun of his God. They're making fun of his faith. And, and he has shown us throughout uh, the, this study of, of Psalm 119 that uh, God's word is the only hope. I, I, I don't know if you noticed, and when we first began, when I did Olive, I, I don't remember the title of the sermon, but it was... It was something in the Word of God. And then the next week in, in Bait, uh, it, it was again in the Word of God. And, and, and I've been able to stay with that theme because this is a, uh, a text that really deals a lot with the Word of God. Because the psalmist understands that the only place that he can go, the only place that he can find refuge, the only place that he knows what God is saying to him is in the Word of God. And so he is telling us tonight that he has found hope in the Word of God. And so again, our text is Psalm 119. Verses 145 through 152, and in honor of the reading of God's word, let's all stand. I cried with all my heart, answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Let us pray. 
Father God, we thank you so much for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this evening. And Father, as you illumine the heart and mind of the psalmist, we pray that you would illumine our hearts and minds as well, that you would show us how it is that we can find hope in the Word of God. God, we trust you with all of our soul. We love you with all of our heart, and we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer in and through the name of our risen Lord and Master, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we said just a moment ago, uh, throughout our study of Psalm 119, uh, we have seen that the psalmist is being persecuted. And, 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 you know, We kind of throw that word around sometimes, okay, that I don't know. If, if Facebook doesn't allow you to post whatever it is you want to post, then, then people will say, I'm being persecuted by Facebook, okay? Uh, n- no, you're not. Uh, I, I can take you to some brothers and sisters in places in this world that will help us understand what persecution looks like and, and, and what it feels like. And, and, and there's a difference between, you know, just, I, I, I don't know, between being talked about and being persecuted. And all of those things are happening in this man's life. He's being talked about. And, and he is also being persecuted. We've seen in a couple of the sections of this psalm that the, the people that are persecuting him are seeking his life. They want to kill him. They want to silence his testimony. And the one thing that just about anybody that's been exposed to the Bible for any length of time can tell you is that Psalm 119 is what? The longest psalm in all of the Bible. It's the longest chapter if you want to see the psalms as chapters uh, in a book, but it is the longest psalm in all of the Bible. And so we have come to see that this man has been struggling with this for a long time, okay? For a long, long time. I, I don't believe that Psalm 119 was written in one or two sittings. I, I, I don't believe that he sat down. I, I, I almost would, would come... To, to the view that this is almost the psalmist's prayer journal, okay? That as he took this to God, that he would write down what he was saying and, and what God was saying. How many of y'all remember English classes back in elementary school, in like third or fourth grade, or maybe in middle school, and the teacher would make you write a poem. Hello? If I was a poet, I wouldn't need to be in your class in the first place. All right? I had a seventh grade art teacher that one of our assignments was to paint Van Gogh's sunflowers. Y'all remember the picture I'm talking about? It's sunflowers in a a brown and lighter brown uh, vase. And, and those of you that have seen my handwriting know that I don't have very good fine muscle control. And, and I don't know brown from tan, okay? And, and I painted this thing the best I could, and I think I got a D minus or an F on it. 
And, and I said, Miss Cunningham, if I could paint that good, then you'd be copying my artwork, not Van Gogh's. Okay. How many of y'all, the, now there may be somebody in here that can do this, but if I looked at you and said, write me a poem, you have ten minutes, go. Okay. Especially with most of us because we think poems all have to rhyme, right? That you've got to have everything and, and all of that stuff. And so a psalm of this length, I don't believe that he sat down and, and wrote it. And how many of y'all are able to sit down and, and even with, with eight verses that we have here, make them all start with the same letter of the alphabet? Okay. You got to think about that, and you got to gather your thoughts. You got to talk to God about it, and and let God speak through you. The point of all of that is that the length of this psalm bears testimony to the long period of time the psalmist suffered persecution. His ungodly scheming enemies just would not give up. Now let me tell you something, beloved. We also have an enemy that is scheming against us as we strive to live in faithful obedience to God's Word. Like a roaring lion, Satan is after you. Look at how Peter put it this way. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, let me ask you a question. How did Peter come by this knowledge? Okay. How did Peter come by the knowledge that Satan was was prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour? Because he had been there, he had done that, he just didn't have the T-shirt to prove it. He had been told by Jesus, Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Now, let me tell you something, beloved. If if you really believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, and he looks you in the eye and gives you knowledge that only someone that was the Son of God could possibly have, and that is what's going on in Satan's mind, okay, Y'all never thought about that, did you? God is omniscient. He knows all things. That mean he, he means he knows what's going on in Satan's mind. Satan can't hide it from him, just like we can't hide it from him. Remember what we studied this morning where God said, I know what their sins are. It is before my face. And somehow we think that Satan's not included in that. Because, listen, beloved, we have almost this yin and yang uh, uh, notion of, of Satan and Jesus. i got to tell you, if it, that, that's more of a Mormon view than it is of a, of a Christian view. All right? We don't believe that Jesus and Satan are spirit brothers. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a secret, beloved. According to the Bible, Jesus created Satan. Okay? He's not his spirit brother. He's his creator. He always has been. He always was. And he always will be superior to Satan. 
But anyway, if, if somebody that had that kind of knowledge looked at me and said, Larry, you need to be kindly careful. Because Satan, he's jonesing for you. He is jonesing for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. I got to tell you, I'd get even whiter than I am right now. Every bit of color would drain from my body. But then, Jesus won't leave you in fear. Amen? Amen? What did John say? Fear is not of the Lord. Perfect love drives out fear. Isn't that what John told us? Jesus said, I love this. And I love the way the King James puts it. Be of good cheer. Wait. Wait, Jesus. You just told me that Satan wants to wear me out even more than I've already been wore out. And you're saying be of good cheer? Uh Uh-huh. Because I prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Jesus said. And so we need to understand that Satan is trying to bring us down. But I got to tell you, James tells us that if we resist him, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you understand that submitting to God is an act of resistance to the devil? Okay. Remember how we talked about this morning that the whole world is very binary? This is a binary verse. You submit yourself to God, and by submitting yourself to God, you are resisting the devil. By the very notion that someone comes and acknowledges Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, they have begun the resistance against the enemy. And once they begin that that resistance, every act of submission to the Lord God is giving us strength and more and more ability to resist the devil. I love, and I don't think it's just the fact that that I'm getting older, that a lot of the things that used to tempt me don't tempt me anymore. That, that, That they have no allure to me. They don't catch my eye, and they certainly don't catch my fancy. And I think a lot of that is because I've spent a good number of years submitting, therefore, to God. And as I submit more and more to God, He removes more and more of that world from my life. Romans 12, 1 and 2, remember that? Present your bodies, therefore, as a living sacrifice to God. Because... If I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice to God, then I show ain't presenting it to Satan as a dead sacrifice to him. Y'all understand that God wants living sacrifices, Satan wants dead ones. Remember how Paul put it? You were what? You were dead in your trespasses 
and your sins. Satan wants dead sacrifices. He wants a heart that's dead. God said, I want to write my law on tablets of living flesh. Okay? Present your bodies, therefore, as a living sacrifice to God. See, beloved, we've been armed with two powerful weapons for spiritual warfare. God's Word and prayer. It is hard to go through what the psalmist was going through. But he understood what Paul would later tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Man, if I could get that one all going on in my life, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that just be a thing? Wouldn't that just be a thing that, that, that when, the, when, when you just want to have this fleshly reaction to somebody and you just go, and the Lord pulls you back and you're going, I, I'm not going to war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Listen, beloved, when you got people like the psalmist coming against you, when you got people coming against you the way that, that the people in Corinth had people coming against them, what you want, you don't want to win the argument. Some of y'all are going, yes, I do. I do want to win that argument. No, I don't want to win the argument. I want to destroy the fortress. I want to destroy the fortress, not the person. I want to destroy the fortress that would begin that whole thing in the first place. And the way that you destroy that fortress is using weapons that are not of the flesh. And the biggest one we got begins with the letter love. Okay? Love. I think Jesus said something along the lines of love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, because in so doing you are heaping coals of burning fire upon their head. They just don't get why you won't retaliate. And you're destroying the fortress. And that's the goal in the first place. See, the psalmist is telling us that we can find hope in the Word of God. Verses 145 through 147. The psalmist goes not to the last place. Again, we talked about that this morning. We've talked about it throughout this psalm. God is not our last resort, beloved. God is our only resort. God is our only resort. And if we think otherwise, then there are some fortresses in our hearts that need to be torn down. The psalmist said, I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord, I will observe your ordinances or your statutes. This was not merely a cry for help or deliverance. It was a cry for obedience. 
God, I want to walk the way you want me to walk. Okay? God, in about 700 years or so, there's going to be this guy named Paul. And he's going to talk about that our weapons are not weapons of the flesh. And God, my flesh wants to respond to these guys so hard. But God, answer me. And I will respond the way that you tell me to respond. One commentator said this, Yet these verses are not really about the psalmist's enemies as bad as they were. They are about the writer's prayer life and how he learned to use God's word when praying. This psalm shows us, we see numerous points throughout this psalm that show us that the psalmist's entire soul was engaged in his praying. He is teaching us that when we go to God and cry out to Him with all of our heart, God will answer. God, I don't know how many of y'all caught it. How many of y'all caught that I changed the word in the second verse of that, of that song we sang a few minutes ago? Have faith in God the way the author wrote it is have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Can I tell you a secret? I hadn't prayed a prayer yet that God didn't answer. May not have been the way I wanted it answered, but he, he answered it. Have faith in God when your prayers seem unanswered. Because from our side of the fence, God's no may seem like God is not answering us. And we just kind of feel like that that if we just keep going to him, uh, he might soften up and let us, let us have it. Spurgeon said, if the whole heart be in our prayers, they will find their way to the heart of God. And then in verse 146, he, he, he basically restates the same thing. He is passionately crying out to God. I cried to you, save me, and I shall keep your testimony." Listen, if you were in this kind of circumstance, is that, is that what you would be promising to God? We'd be saying, God, destroy my enemies and I'll keep your testimonies. But the psalmist said, save me. Save me. Don't let me fight this battle with fleshly weapons. Don't let me do what's being done to me. I cry out means that the prayer was vocal. Spurgeon once again said, men find it very helpful to use their voices in prayer. It is difficult long to maintain the intensity of devotion unless we hear ourselves speak. Hence the psalmist at length broke through his silence, arose from his quiet meditations, and began crying with voice as well as heart unto the Lord his God. I've told y'all for years that I, I practice prayer driving. I, I pray almost the entire time I'm, I'm driving. And, and if you've ever ridden with me, you understand. What, no, I'm kidding. I pray the entire time I'm driving. And as a younger man, I would just kind of pray that prayer in my head, you know. And you know what would happen? Something would come up on the radio and my mind would drift. Or 
something would, would spark my mind about something I was going to have to do when I got to work and my mind would drift? Have you ever noticed that your mind doesn't drift very much when you're talking? Okay. Because you're focused on talking. And so, if y'all ever drive by me and you see my lips moving, I am crazy. But I, it's, I'm talking to God. And I've just learned to talk out loud to Him. So that I can hear what I am saying to Him. And it helps me to focus on what I'm saying to Him. Now, certainly there is a time for quiet prayer. I'm not saying if you never talk out loud that there's something wrong with your prayer life. But what I'm saying is that for me, it helps me to stay focused on my prayer when I am praying out loud. The psalmist, passionately dependent on God and His Word, but that did not eliminate his participation. He still woke up early. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. Beloved, if prayer is just a duty to us, then we'll be content where we can check the box that we've prayed. But when we understand the privilege of prayer, that changes everything. It will become our joy, our very food, And we will understand what Paul said to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Let me ask you a question. If the person you love more than anything else in the world was laying a corpse at the funeral home, and when I came up to you in the visiting line, I shook your hand and I said, don't worry, be happy, and then just walked off. You'd think I was pretty strange, wouldn't you? You'd say, who's this guy I think he is? Do they not understand who this is laying in the coffin? Listen, beloved. Rejoice is not an attitude. It's a state of being. It is living in the joy of the Lord. What did Jesus say? I have come to do what? To make your joy complete. That is how we rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Okay, so I'm the psalmist. And I'm going over these words of Paul and I'm going to God and I'm saying, God, are you telling me that I need to be in a state of rejoicing over what's being done to me? God says, "Uh uh-huh, absolutely. Pray without ceasing. Lord, I think I'm I'm, I'm closing in on that one. You've given me the longest psalm in all of the Psalter. I'm closing in on it. But in everything, give thanks. Lord, are you telling me? Are you trying to tell me that I should give thanks for what's going on in my life right now? And the Lord says, "Uh uh-huh. But why, Lord? Because it's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. It's not that God likes to, to make us squirm. If you ever played 
any kind of athletics, you know that very frequently you had to run laps. Anybody here enjoy running laps? You know, how many of you, if the coach said, Jones, ten laps, you went, yes. Just ten, coach, can I run twenty? That would get you thirty, by the way, because he'd think you were being smart to him. Okay? And while that may be being used as a punishment, God doesn't use that as punishment very frequently. But at the end of the day, what have those laps done? They've made you stronger. They've made you stronger. You can run longer. You can run further. You can run faster because of this bad thing that came into your life. God is saying that I can take what might be bad and make it good. Look what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 12, verses 10 through 14. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Wait a minute. Well, let me tell you a secret about Paul's writings. Paul is famous for these lists. Okay, throughout all of his epistles, that he would give you these lists of things. And you ought to approach every one of them as additive. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? You do the first, then you do the second, then you do the third, because you're not going to be able to do the third until you've done the second, and you're not going to be able to do the second until you've done the first. Okay? So I'm not going to be able to persevere in tribulation until I am first devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference one to our, or to one another in honor. Okay? Because listen, what would persevering, what, what would that do if I am giving preference to one of my brothers and sisters? How would that help me persevere in tribulation? Well, maybe when they come for my brother and sister, I stand up and say, take me instead. Take me instead. Because I love my brothers and sisters. And God has promised me that I'm going to persevere in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. You know I'd get tithing in there somewhere. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Listen, beloved, you're not going to get to verse 14 until you have dealt with verses 10 through 13. Okay? If I just said to you, bless those who persecute you, you'd be going, well, I'll give it a run, but I I don't see that it's going to work very well. But if I said to you the way that you get to verse 14 is in verse 12 that you are devoted to prayer. That you are rejoicing in hope. That you are persevering in tribulation. Don't you just wish that we had somebody famous that would give us an example of how to do that? Oh, wait. Father, 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was blessing those who persecuted him. Listen, you drive a nail through my wrist after the night that Jesus had been put through, and you drive another nail through my ankles and strip me naked in front of the whole town and start throwing insults at me, I got nothing to lose, right? I got nothing to lose up here on this cross. You can't crucify me twice. I'm going to give it back as long as I got breath. Jesus said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Do you understand? The Word furnished His hope and His hope is prayer. We use prayer in our study of the Word of God. This is essential. And yet we also use the Word of God in our prayers. It has been said that the early prayer is soon refreshed with hope. Okay? I think everybody in this room has learned this. I think we all know from from very painful experience that I'm going to try to solve this thing on my own. I'm going to make a mess out of it. And then I'm going to go to God and ask Him to fix the mess that I made plus the original mess that that, that, that I was in when I started. And we've learned to eliminate that middle process and go to God early in this thing and say, God, I see a storm brewing. I see a storm brewing. And God, I just ask that you would be with me through this. Now, a lot of times we read this, you know, and and, and we think, well, I cried with all of my heart. Answer me, O Lord. And we put a word in there that's not there. And I will observe your statutes. I know I'm the only one in the room that's ever tried to make a bargain with God. God, if you will do A, I will do B. Anybody here ever had that work? Okay? It don't work. God doesn't operate that way. That's not what he's trying to do. What he wants is for God to answer his prayer so that he is set free. So that he is set free to observe God's statutes. So that he is set free to walk in the word of God. He was committed to the word of God no matter what happened to him. See, beloved, as God's dear children, we have a standing invitation to approach His holy throne boldly in times of need. This will blow your mind, Hebrews 4, 6. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of of need. See, I don't know if this is the way that it works in your life, but oftentimes I find myself in situations and I want to do things my way. 
I want the outcome that I want. And so I tried on my own. I tried on my own and make a bigger mess of it than I had when I started into this thing. And the writer of Hebrews and the writer of Psalm 119 is telling us the same thing, to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you know what happens when we do that? Paul tells us in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing. Man, but in everything. Man, do you see how many times Paul talks about in everything, take everything to God. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what happens when you do that? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, an awful lot of the time... Here's why we preach through a book of the Bible. And why very often I give you these extended quotes when we're jumping into another text other than the one we're studying. Because, listen, there's a fancy word for what preachers do. It's called proof texting. Proof texting is I can make the Bible say just about anything I want to. If I jump into and out of verses to make my point, especially if I do it quickly where you don't have time to think about what I've said and you don't have time to read what I've said in context. And so I'm trying always to give you the context of that quote. And so that's sometimes why you'll see me throw up ten verses when when we're looking at something. Because I want to give you the whole context. You know, an awful lot of the time we throw verse 7 out there and we'll say to somebody, we'll pat their hand and say, you know what? The peace of God is just going, uh, that, that passes all comprehension is going to guard your heart. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. But Paul tells us how we get there. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let me add some words to the Bible. And once you've done that, and only once you've done that, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Casual prayers accomplish little, if anything. If we don't think a matter is serious enough to devote our full attention and energy to praying about it, why should we expect God to unleash His mighty power to resolve it? Mm. Verses 148 and 149. Not only did the psalmist get up early to meet God, He stayed up late. We're going to go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. You remember that? Remember what Paul said? He said to let your mind be transformed. Let your mind be transformed. This is what the psalmist is doing. He is teaching himself step by step to rely upon God. Listen, beloved. If we can't get up early 
or stay up late to talk to God about something, can we truly expect God to act in our behalf when we're unwilling to sacrifice our time and efforts to pray about our burdens? Verses 150 and 151. The psalmist could sense that those that were against him were becoming more of a threat to him. And though the wicked were near to the psalmist and far from God's word, the psalmist knew that God was near. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They're near to me, but they're far from you, is what the psalmist is saying in verse 150. In verse 151, this is is his cry of hope. This is where he's saying to God, I have found hope in the word of God. You are near O Lord, and all your commandments, all your commandments, even the ones that I find rather inconvenient in my life because they won't let me do what I want to do, all your commandments are truth. And you are near to me, O God. Now, how do you get to verses 150 and 151? by going through verses 1 through 149. He came to understand this the hard way. Not because of anything that he had done, but because it was in the design of the sovereign God. And this guy had to go through a lot to get to this point where he can confess, You are near, O Lord. And through all of those trials, through all of those tribulations, he had come to learn that God is always faithful and God's Word is always true. And when we pray, we need to pray with faith, trusting wholeheartedly that God will hear us and answer us. Faithless prayers are powerless prayers. James 1, 6 and 7. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. When I first came here, I hadn't been out of college very long, and one of the courses that we took that I had to take in my undergraduate work was a a book study of a, from a man by the name of Richard Baxter, Celebration of Discipline, and I preached through all of the classical Christian disciplines. And one of the things that, that Baxter encouraged us to do when, when, when we were praying, especially when we were praying for somebody, was to pause, to center ourselves on God, and then as we're praying to see Jesus laying His hand upon that person and bringing healing. He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything, anything from the Lord. Why would God answer our prayers when we neither believe that he has the power to do what we ask nor believe that he cares enough about us to answer? Faith-filled prayers are powerful prayers. Jesus said, 
Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Psalm 37, 5 tells us this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. And Micah, which we just looked at in Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. That is a faith-filled prayer, beloved. Verse 152. The psalmist had an old relationship with the Word of God. Now, I'm not criticizing if, if somebody's a new believer and they just came to understand, came to embrace Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And maybe they're just now getting into a regular pattern of Bible reading and studying the Word of God for themselves. I'm not criticizing that. What I'm praying for is that you can get to the place of 152, that you have an old relationship with the Word of God. Of old, I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. That you come to the conclusion that God's Word is perfect and that it is infallible. His long love and appreciation for Scripture led him to understand that the Word of God was eternal. The more he studied and meditated upon Scripture, the more he understood its divine origin. Oh, beloved, there is hope in the Word of God. Will we take advantage of his love for us and simply trust him and his Word?